4: Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Traina. Thank you for tuning in. Great, great episode we got for you today. First up, you're going to hear from Andrew Siciliano of the NFL Red Zone channel on DirecTV and NFL Network. And after Andrew, you're going to hear from Renee Young from WWE and now FS1 hosting a new show called WWE Backstage, which debuts on November 5th at 11 p.m. on FS1. Uh, both were great interviews. Let me give you a little background here quickly on Andrew. Um, I went, if you listen to this podcast regularly, I did an episode where I explained why I canceled DirecTV after 20 years um, when they put 20 holes in my roof and wouldn't reimburse me for the damage when they moved the dish. So, this was my first football season without Sunday ticket in 20 years. I was a customer since 1999. So, I thought I'd get through the year with Red Zone and because, uh, you know, everyone loves Red Zone. Everybody loves the red zone. So I'm like, okay, I'll do red zone. I'll go to sports bars. I have friends. Hi Salakata. I know you're listening. He lets me come over every Sunday to watch it because he has a Sunday ticket. And um, you know, I figured I'd manage my thinking too was that one o'clock would be the problem for me on Sundays. Four o'clock, the best game is always on TV at four twenty five nationally. And then I could stream something illegally if I need to at four twenty five. But one o'clock you have a lot of games. You need to be locked in. I so I'm figuring it out. Figured red zone would play a part in it. Um Started to watch Red Zone. Not for me. I'm not saying I think the Red Zone is bad. I'm not saying the Red Zone sucks. I'm saying it's not for me. When you've watched Game Mix for 20 years, it's hard to then go to the Red Zone. If you've never watched Game Mix, you probably love the Red Zone. But I watched Game Mix for 20 years and then I had to do Red Zone. And I just... and then this Sunday was bad because in New York, when the Jets and Giants play at the same time, they both played at one o'clock. Those are the games you get on CBS and Fox. Those, their games usually stink. They're unwatchable. I want to watch the better teams. So, you know, it's a sports bar Sunday. And I didn't really feel like going. It was raining. My dad's had some health issues, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to stay home, but I had to go to the sports bar. Anyway, so I took to Twitter, as everyone does. And I tweeted, quote, I've held up better than I thought I would without Sunday ticket. after canceling direct TV. But days like today, when both awful New York teams play at 1 o'clock are the worst. Bars here. Put those games on the majority of the TVs with the sound. It's basically torture. And then, of course, when I tweeted that, I get 9 million tweets from people saying, watch the Red Zone. Why don't you watch the Red Zone? Red Zone, Red Zone, Red Zone. And then I finally made a confession that I didn't want to make on Twitter because I know everyone loves the Red Zone. I held off on weeks. And then I finally did it. And I said, going to get this out of the way now, make my confession, never address this again. I'm the only person in America who hates the Red Zone. I know everyone thinks it's the greatest thing ever, but it's useless to me. I know this is blasphemy and I broke Twitter laws, so please forgive me. Now, hates is strong. I should not have said that. Um, it's not for me. That That's all my ultimate point is with the Red Zone. Cut to, uh, Andrew Siciliano, who hosts one of the Red Zone channels, saw my tweet. I, I didn't realize, I think, um, that he follows me on Twitter. And he responded as nice as a human being could possibly, uh, respond and basically said that he's not offended, which, of course, he should not be because the popularity of the Red Zone speaks for itself. And I know I'm in a teeny tiny minority by saying that it's not for me. And, um... Andrew really handled it as well as like this is how you're supposed to handle things when you if someone doesn't like something you do they're entitled to that and you don't have to uh, be offended. Here's what Andrew wrote: It's okay, Jimmy. There's no need to apologize. Truly not offended. I hate wrestling. We all have our likes and dislikes, obviously, because I'm a wrestling fan. So it'll be fun because we're going to go from Andrew, who doesn't like wrestling, to Renee Young, who is a big part of wrestling. But that's the backstory. And Andrew was phenomenal, came on, even though I had tweeted that. And we have a great conversation about Red Zone and uh, his gig there and the popularity of it. And then Renee talks about a lot of WWE stuff. And uh, we get into many topics with her. So that's the podcast. Last week, Bomani Jones was on. If you didn't listen to it, go into the archives and check it out. And as always, please subscribe, rate, review. If you're a first-time listener or you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Helps tremendously. All right, enough of me. Let's get to my great guest this week. First up, from the NFL Red Zone channel on DirecTV and the NFL Network, Andrew Siciliano. All right, joining me now, and I really appreciate this guy coming on because he uh, didn't have to do this after me tweeting about not liking sort of the product, but we'll get into that. And it's uh, Red Zone host, NFL Network host as well, Andrew Siciliano. Andrew, you're a good guy for coming on. Thanks.
5: Hey, Jimmy, happy to be here. And you know that my tweet was was in good fun, right? I, I realized yours was also in right. good fun i follow you i know you've kind of made this point in the past so it wasn't uh i was not trying to uh be the angry offended tv host and, or anything like that i was actually laughing when i hit send
4: yeah and you <laughs> weren't and it was one so refreshing to see someone who was sane on twitter and two um <laughs> you know i wanted to respond to you And then Twitter is so bad now that I thought if I respond – because what I wanted to say back – so just the quick backstory on this. I tweeted that um, I've had Game Mix for – I had Sunday Ticket for 20 years. I watch Game Mix every Sunday because I'm a degenerate gambler and I want to watch what I want when I want. And this year I don't have it and I've been – I tried to do Red Zone and after 20 – The problem is people on Twitter were saying like, yeah, I agree. Red zone sucks. And i was like, I'm not saying it sucks. I'm saying it's not for me. There's a big difference there because it's just I after 20 years of game mix, it was hard for me to get into that. And Andrew tweeted me back that he wasn't offended and didn't take it personally, which, again, what I wanted to reply to you on that was the last thing you should do is be offended or take it personally, because the success and the popularity of red zone is. A phenomenon in sports so my one opinion should not matter to anyone and clearly you get that and I think it shows by you coming on that you're a good sport about this and unlike most people in sports media you get it
5: <laughs> well some days I do some days I don't this yeah. one I, I, I clearly get it yeah. thank you for the kind words um, you know we, we have a good show if we have good games if we don't have good games and the show can lag a little bit but it's not everyone's cup of tea I realize that for, for younger people we've been doing it 15 years now. It's kind of what they grew up with Right for older people um, who are slow to pick up the remote control, regardless, you know, when they're watching something on a Wednesday night, it it's probably not their cup of tea. I mean, some people watch it when, uh, let's say their favorite team is playing at one o'clock Eastern and then they don't care at four o'clock. So they watch it then or vice versa. Right. Um, it's it's something for everybody, whatever it is you want to do with it. That's, that's all we care
4: and, about. Yeah, I think if I didn't have game, you know, if I wasn't a game mix watcher for 20 years, I maybe would be able to do Red Zone. Um, but it's also, you know, control issues there. You're in control, not me, and, and that gets frustrating Sure. me. Um, well, the
5: game mix thing is interesting because, I, you know, I, I'm not that I'm sitting on my couch on Sunday, but I, I if I were... I'm not saying I would be totally like you, but I I see the value of game mix, yeah. and, and you can you know control the cursor and change the volume, and and control it on your own. The, right. the issue that I think some people have with game mix where it's eight games, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, here's
4: the thing: they uh, uh, three or four, three four or five years ago, I don't know, the, three or four five years ago, they've added a second game mix channel, which is usually oh, the four wow. best, okay. which is four the four best games of the day. So what I would do every Sunday as a psychopath is I have two TVs in my living room. So it would be the four. You're normal these days. Yeah, really? There would be the four channel psychopath, right? Four game. It would be the four game game mix channel on one TV. Whatever game is shown nationally on my secondary TV or actually it wasn't that no, because I had every game. So I would put on a fifth game that was not on the four and, you know, because it, by this point – I guess maybe this is my issue with Red Zone. By this point of the season, week – what are we, eight now? Um, there yeah, are, this will be nine. Nine. There are usually two or three one o'clock games I don't need to watch one play of. And, and that's what sort of started my tweet last week. Like, I didn't last week need to see one play of Jets-Jaguars. They're both out of it. They both stink. I didn't need to see that game. And so but it came down to the end. Well – yes and and okay right, so but the I jaguars understand that win at, at and
5: 12 50 right you look up at your options at twelve fifty eastern and go Ugh, no i get that right I totally get
4: that. right um and, and again i think it's a more of a problem in the new york market if you don't have the ticket because you're stuck with the jets and giants every week at one o'clock and then you know there's a better game somewhere else and you can't watch it and um I think that adds to the frustration. There's a here's the thing about it. There's a lot of layers to this, and there's a lot of um, personal, you know, quirks about it and how you want to watch games. And I mean, I was riveted to the end of the Bengals Rams game last week because I had bet the Rams. The Bengals <clears> scored <throat> a touchdown with no time left. They reviewed it; it got taken off the board. Now, if I'm watching Red Zone, and again, you shouldn't be showing that on Red Zone because it, the game's over at that point.
5: We did show it. Okay. We did. We showed it, and then as soon as he scored, we left. Right. And I don't know where else we went, but when we found out it was taken off the board, we did go back. I don't know if we... No, I think we did. We went back, and we showed that it had been taken off the board, and we showed the play that they ran subsequently. Now, are you so co- we did. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: No, I'm going to say, are you cognizant of the fact that the Rams are up by 17, the line is 14, the Bengals score a touchdown, or do you not? I'm
5: not. Okay. No, I'm not. I mean, full disclosure, I've never bet a game in my life. Right. I don't well, care. Right. I get that people do, um, and I know there are people now listening going BS. Like It's absolutely true. Never have. Well, I don't believe, I believe um, you if you say you've never I
4: bet a game. Underst-
5: like, oh, like, I-, I speak the language. I get it. Right. I Like, believe me, um, there are – I haven't looked – I mean, there are some weeks where, you know, I'll read, oh, my God, Belichick is a 21-point favorite, uh, or the Patriots, and oh, yeah, that number sticks in my head, and I'm a little more cognizant of it, you know, with like – with noteworthy things like that, where you you just hear it so much during the week that it sticks in your head – Um, You know, full disclosure, one of my spotters, I have like two or three spotters who are invaluable. I couldn't do the show without them who are pacing kind of with me, you know, as you would have like a play-by-play spotter. So if I don't remember who 23 on Team X is, I can go, hey, who's 23 on Team X? And they're also there for, you know, your, your eyes can't physically focus on 10 games at once. And I might be looking at the game over there and the game over there has something happen. I turn around, I need the details, you know, there was a flag. Well, who is the flag on? Who's challenging? What are they challenging? Who is the DB? Was his? You know, those details. Those guys are there. One of them um, is like you. Let's put it that way. And he has a good read on things. And he did last week. Oh, hey, we need to go back to to this Rams game. Okay. So he's there for that. Gotcha. Um, it's not his only purpose, but but he has he has his finger on the pulse of that far more
4: than I do. right right um all right so let's let's talk about you a little bit and not me and my uh my issues with red zone but again that's no, fine i think it's again i i really think after 20 years of game mix and especially like i said the last four or five years with the four bo- four boxes that was a game changer that that was that was my heaven right there um, My
5: last thing real quick on Game yeah, Mix, yeah. And I know I ramble, is that the complaint that I get on Red Zone is when we put four on the screen, that the screens are too small. Mm-hmm. To me, Game Mix is how I would probably watch, but I would think that those boxes are too small right. now, because with, there are too many of
4: them. Right. When I said psychopath, what I meant by that was I, I literally take a, <laughs> I take a bar stool and I put it right about a foot in front of the <laughs> TV. Awesome. And that's where, I, yeah. So that's how I watch the Game Mix with the eight and the, that's and awesome. the four. That's awesome. The four, I could go in a regular bar lounger, but if it's the eight, I gotta go with the bar still in front of the TV. Um, I, and I'll give you uh, here. I'll give you the one beef I have with Red Zone that I bet you get annoyed with too, because you can't control it. What I noticed, because I have watched it over the last few weeks here and there when I'm home, if I'm not at a sports bar, if the what it's got to kill you, because I know as a fan it would drive me crazy. You guys will go to a game, okay? Uh, you like, oh, let's go to let's go to London now for the Rams Bengals. Rams are driving inside the twenty. You go to that game, and then that game, Greg Gumbel's like, "Oh, let's go to James Brown in studio for the high- right. for what happened in Buffalo." And you just showed that Buffalo Philly touchdown. Uh, yep. they, yeah, that's got to be fun for you when that happens. I noticed yeah. that a few times. Uh, normally,
5: without getting into too much how the sausage is made, we we have people in the control room who are listening to the backhaul from each of the trucks. Let's say there's nine games last week at one, so they're actually listening and they have a decent idea of whether or not that game with Greg Gumbel is quote unquote sitting on an update. Right. So whether or not that at the next break or at the next opportunity, they're going to go back to New York. Yeah. We try to avoid them, but it's, it's impossible Yeah. when you have nine games right. and you're trying to find the action
4: to well, avoid them all the time. That well, since you brought up nine games, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you as the host of red zone. If, you were in charge. Andrew Siciliano's perfect world. What would your mix be hmm. every week? How many one o'clock games? How many four o'clock games? Uh,
5: I mean, I, I would say seven and five, eight and four. Okay, I love nine. Ten is 10 I get. I, I'm, I'm not a fun person to be around with 10 <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm screaming and yelling and, and demanding information and saying we're going here and going there and going here. Um, you know, this is something that, that I know fans get frustrated with. It's And I try to explain it to people. There are only seven teams west of the Mississippi, okay? And so a huge part of this is geography. And that's it. It's a geographical issue that the majority of teams are in the Eastern and Central and, and even Rocky mountain time zone Mm -hmm. that that's just the way it is. Um, Once you get to this middle part of the season, when you have teams on buys and multiple teams on buys, there are simply fewer options. When you throw in four London games, and, again, this week we have a 9.30 Eastern kick on NFL Network. Yep. That eliminates another game. And it just doesn't break down the way it should. And then everyone will always say, well, why don't you just make the East Coast games 4 o'clock? And the short answer is because the teams don't want it. Right? They, they will take the occasional 4 o'clock window East Coast kick if, you know, they're guaranteed the CBS or the Fox <laughs> – um, doubleheader, the majority of the nation gets the game kind of audience, they'll, they'll, they'll gladly do that. But they don't want five games like that. You know, you want one or two games like that. It's... I mean, Jimmy, you're in New York, right? Yeah. I mean, now that now that the, the, the seasons are changing, the clocks are changing, no one wants to be sitting in the stadium where it's dark <laughs> at the start of the second quarter. Right, right. For an afternoon game. And there's also... I think a public resources issue as well, where, you know, you want people tailgating at 10 AM for a four o'clock kickoff and police and fire. And just, you know, you're putting a strain on the local community. Nobody wants to get home at nine o'clock at night for an afternoon. kick. Anyway, you get my point. Right. Um, that's why we don't have as many four o'clock Eastern time kickoffs for me. I would love eight and five. I think that's good. Yeah. I think five keeps all of us on our toes Three games can be kind of slow, which is, you know, remarkable that that's where we are in our lives now. But uh, four or five feels good. It's in the funny afternoon. because
4: I, I, a lot of people on Twitter seem to get annoyed when there's only three, four o'clock games. I actually love it. I love that I can relax, lock in on two games. Sure. You know, it's all it, it really is personal preference on how you want to consume the product on a Sunday.
5: Well, just think about it. We launched this. This is our 15th year. Right. Right. So I think this is show 248 or something this Sunday, something like that. And uh, just think that 15 years ago, if someone had said that we're going to get to a point where watching three games simultaneously isn't enough stimulation. (laughs) It's not enough stimulation. I'm angry. I want my money back. Why did I pay for this? There are only three games yep. for my brain to bounce back and forth in between. This sucks. Yep. But that's where we are.
4: Well, it is. It is. I mean, we're. I, I, if Wikipedia is accurate, you and I are around the same age. And we remember the time before Red Zone, before DirecTV, before Sunday Ticket, when you got two games. And those were the only two games you were watching no matter sure. what. And You better like it people are definitely spoiled these days because of red zone and, and well, Sunday ticket.
5: And not only that, no, no highlights. So yeah, you waited till seven o'clock. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for kids, you know, I mean, we, we sound like grumpy old men here, but yeah. you, you were stuck watching whatever game was on your local affiliate. And if you wanted to, to find out how your favorite team was up 14 to nothing, when they went back to the studio for Gumble. I'm I'm sorry, for Musburger, you you just had to pray that Musburger gave you one little glimpse at that game with one highlight so you could see how they scored one of those two touchdowns, and then you were likely in the dark about how they scored the other
4: two. And and here's the other thing. I mean, this is really into the woods and minutiae, but, I mean, this is the way it was. If you were watching, let's say locally in New York, a a Giants game on CBS – Uh, and they threw it to Musburger, you were only getting highlights from NFC games. From the CBS. CBS CBS wouldn't give you the the NBC games. So we have come a long way. Crumpy old man. You you mentioned you've been doing this since uh, 05. Do you ever get tired of it? Are there ever Sundays? Listen, there is a rush on NFL Sundays that can't be duplicated, but is it ever a drag that you know... You're locked in for that many hours. You have to be on. There's no, you can't take a dip. You can't take a, Uh. you know, the, sometimes, you know, on the workday, someone might go get a coffee for a couple of, you know, for an hour here. You might make a phone call when you're on, you're on. And that seems very stressful. Um, and you've been doing it a long time. Is it still the same rush for you? Do you ever think, okay, maybe a couple more years and this is it? Where do, where do you stand with all that?
5: Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Yes, it's still a rush. Yes, I absolutely love it. And, and this sounds corny and cliched. I legitimately get up on Sunday morning excited to go to work. Um, I I get to hold the remote control and yell and scream and, and, and do exactly what I would do if I were on the couch. And what I did do when I was on the couch before this whole thing began, and that is watch games with my friends and, um, you know, scream and yell and throw things every now and then. I get to do it on this form and, and this form is, is kind of taking on a life of its own and, and I and I love it. Yes, there are long days. And there are days where you're just dying for someone to stop calling timeouts and run the damn clock out. Let's go home. <laughs> I've got to use the bathroom and I'm hungry. Right. Of course. Absolutely. It's like every other job. And yes, but whenever I have those moments Um, you just remind yourself that there's honestly nothing else I would rather be doing. Um, I would love to call games. I get to do that in the preseason. Um, I get to do that um, here on NFL network for some college games, a senior ball and stuff like that. I love doing that. Um, But I also love this. And and this is, you know, a huge platform and a huge rush and uh, as badly as I would love to do games, I I kind of look at it, but I, I get to do 12 or 13 games Every week. It, it, I know it's not the same, but it, it's an amazing, an amazing rush. Um, and as for the staying focused, uh, the three games at, at four o'clock Eastern, there are times when it is harder to focus. That's because usually you just expend so much energy getting through eight, nine, ten early. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot out of you, especially that last half hour. Um, I don't ever sit down until, like, 4.30 Eastern. I, I pace the entire—I never sit down um, because I can't focus. If that, That's how that's how I—you know, I'm just pacing in front of the wall of TVs. That's all I do. Yeah. And when it's down to 3, I sit down, but the danger is that I'm kind of losing focus. And so I have to remind myself and stand up, like, every 10 minutes.
4: So, uh, so okay— the games let, – let's go – let's just take it from the games. Let's say from 1 to 7.30. That's six and a half hours here from doing some man, mm-hmm. which is always dangerous. Of those six and a half hours, how many are you standing? Like six and 15 six hours and 15 minutes? No, no. I, I'm oh, okay.
5: standing from 1, so Eastern time, 1 until like uh, – 1 until like 4.30, 4.45, like okay. once we get into the, the late games and they kick off and all the early ones are over and where the three or four late games are on and maybe one of them's turning into the second quarter at this point, the one that started earlier and the ones that started at 4.25 are kind of finally got their legs underneath them then then I will sit down for a little bit. Okay. But not until then.
4: So I'm I'm sure you've done this in every interview you've done, but just for me and my listeners, take me through your Sunday. Like you don't have to go like, you know, super but when you wake up, when you get home, how you you know, how you stay energized, what's the typical Sunday?
5: I am a creature of habit and like I think like a lot of people in this business and especially on Sunday, I I wake up at the same time at five forty five of of hit snooze a few times, turn on Game Day Morning, um, which is NFL Network's pregame show with Rich and that whole crew. And I watch uh, at 6 a.m. Pacific their A block, their B block, um, hop in the shower, out the door, get to Starbucks, like 6.40-ish, order what? the same thing, five-shot iced venti Americano, <laughs> um, get my oatmeal, call my parents. That's a mm-hmm. tradition uh, truly unlike any other, as Nance once said. I call them. After I get my coffee and uh, talk to my mom and dad who are in Northern Virginia where I grew up outside D.C., um, usually my dad will tell me he thinks the Browns are going to lose. I tell him, here's how I think they're going to win. My mom just nods and nods and nods and asks you know, what I did over the weekend and that kind of stuff. Get to work. Um, and then from 7 to 8 Pacific is when I really dig in. I sit down. I put NFL Network's pregame show on. I put ESPN's pregame show on. And then I have a note card that DirecTV TV uh, put together for each game, like the channel number, a couple of stats on each. And, and I am very fortunate, Jimmy. My day job at NFL Network um, as a host is is the best prep in the world. So by the time I get to Sunday, I've been talking these games and these stories all week. Right. And so I, from NFL Network's like 100-page weekly research packet, and from Stats, Inc., and all the other resources we have, I, I kind of have uh, usually on Friday – put together like seven or eight of my favorite notes from every game and then I will write them in by hand on those cards mm-hmm. so I have a card for every game um do makeup around uh like eight thirty. I sit there from 7 to 8 doing those notes too much information I use the bathroom at 7 I got to get that out of the way that's really gotta creature of habit like like clockwork <laughs> Uh, 7.30 makeup. That's when the inactives come out. Um, we do a social media thing around 8. We pre-tape at like 8.05. The um, We have a pre-recorded uh, VO, um, which is a little voiceover. If I do have to use the bathroom, they're all generic. Mm-hmm. So, for example, mm-hmm. I would say, hey, we'll get back to this one in a second, but now back to Foxborough, Patriots, Browns, Nance and Romo. Right. And so we have one of those for every game, generic on the front end, specific on the back end. So that if I run down the hall to go to the bathroom and I'm not back in time and they've got to leave game X to go to game Y, they can use that VO. If you, if you have to,
4: if you have to use the facilities, how long does it take you to get there from where you're running from?
5: Um, I run. Yeah. It's about, I don't know. It's about 20 yards down the hall. Okay. Not, not, Not bad. Okay. um, uh, now the frustrating thing is when you get there and, and somebody is using <laughs> the bathroom and that's when I lose my bleeping mind. Yes, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, anyway, do those rehearse a couple of times and then we go live at 1255. Um, I ad lib, we do that five, six minute open. I ad, lib that entire thing, um, I have a card for each thing. There's no prompter in there. And so we just, uh, we go through it a couple of times, make sure we have a good feel for it. What the notes are we want to get out. Um, and then it's uh, it's go time. and then uh, you know, walk over to the wall and uh and then and they hand me another cup of coffee <laughs> and
4: and then, and then are you out of there as soon as the four o'clock games end?
5: um yeah, we we usually stay until we're down to one game. Mm-hmm. and that's the thing with Sunday ticket. I think that sets us apart from uh, the other the other version of the show in that anyone who is watching us has that game on a on a dedicated feed so if we're down to Brown's Patriots or Raiders Texans that's the last game uh there's we have no show we can't do a show around one game we right. have nowhere else to go I right. I mean there's only so many times I can show you highlights from earlier so we just say we're going home you want to watch the end of the game it's on 7 yeah, sixteen okay. and we pack up um and I go usually you know so what I- <laughs> Go use the facilities and then yeah. Yeah. and then drive home.
4: How how exhausted are you when you get home, or are you not in bad shape? Uh, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I'm exhausted. But yeah. I'm, it's not
5: like I'm digging ditches. no. But no, no, I, no. I am exhausted. It's all relative. It's yeah. uh, it's the, honestly I'm hungry more than anything because uh, I mean we have catering there and they bring me a lunch, but I, I, I a don't have much time to chew it and right. b uh, in the interest of self preservation when it comes to having to run down the whole bathroom, I, I really don't want to eat much of it. Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I am famished at that point. It's like five o'clock Pacific. I usually, uh, go home and, uh, get takeout and pour myself a drink or sometimes (laughs) maybe I'll, I'll meet friends and pour myself a drink and we'll meet at a restaurant and, uh, watch, uh, watch the Sunday night game.
4: The unwinding is important. You got to do that. Um, I, I, this is This is going to be a really dumb question, but I, I did not know this until last year, which. For someone who covers media, I guess I shouldn't admit because it's really bad that I didn't know this. But, again, I was a game mix watcher for 20 years. I had no idea there were two Red Zone channels until about a year ago. I didn't know there was a direct... Yeah, it's still confusing
5: to many yeah. people. Why
4: yep. are there two two Red Zone
5: channels? Well, with that, we need a whole nother hour-long podcast. But the, the shortest version of it is this. Yeah. Uh, in 2005, David Hill... The uh, Fox Sports um, president, guru. Uh, founder, and all that fun stuff. David's amazing. David and Eric Shanks, now the president of Fox right. Sports, uh, came up with this idea. Shanks had been um, Shanks had been uh, over uh, in Italy, actually doing um, Sky Italia stuff, and this is something that they had done uh, with Serie A soccer, something similar, and came back and had the idea. And David sold it to the league, and we we're going to launch it in '05. And we did. And it was a DirecTV only kind of thing. Well, fast forward a couple of years, uh, DirecTV's deal was up with the league and they were negotiating an extension for Sunday ticket. And at that point, NFL Network was not getting as many cable deals as everyone had hoped. And the people on the league side realized and they were right with this, that uh, the Red Zone channel we had created at DirecTV was something that could be used to get on cable companies, right? Good idea. It worked. This could be a substitute for Sunday Ticket for these cable companies. Right. And so, as part of the extension that Directv got that year, um, the agreement was that NFL Network would produce one uh, a cable version, if you will. Right. Um, so that everyone else could get one. So that's kind of what they did. They had they oh, started, so- I think, five or six years after us um the confusion became is that the name was the same you know i had always said around direct tv if if they if there's going to be a second one call it touchdown tv or something like that right um but no they they kept the name understandably the name had equity with it um but there is confusion and to to make it even more confusing um, a couple of years after that, I came to work at NFL Network during the week. Right. So, right. So, so it, it, the there's look, we're all kind of so, one big happy family. There's plenty of crossover, but uh, yes, if you get cable, you get Scott Hansen. It does right. a great job. And if you get Directv, if you get Sunday Ticket, if you're in a bar because bars pretty much have to have Sunday Ticket, Correct. Then you're going to see me.
4: Yeah. That. So it's really about the cable companies didn't want to carry the Directv version. I would assume is. It, it, to really boil I, it down. Look, to... I,
5: I don't know the brass tacks at the negotiating table no. back, how many years ago it was, 10 years ago. But, I mean, understandably, we have a DirecTV branded product. Right, right. right? That's what it is. To throw that on the cable companies probably wasn't ideal. That's what it is. Um, right. And I'm sure, and this is, again, long before I worked here. I'm sure that the people on the league side, the network side here, also wanted the chance to monetize their own thing,
4: which is understandable. Right. It's interesting. As we're discussing this, it just popped into my head that I had um, John O'Ran from Sports Business Journal on this podcast, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago. And we were talking about the future of DirecTV and the NFL and the Sunday Ticket. And one of the things he told me, which I was surprised when I heard it, but I shouldn't have been surprised because it makes total sense, because I don't, I no longer have Directv, which is why I'm in this whole mess. And obviously, my my wish, just as a consumer and a football fan, is that the Sunday ticket goes to cable companies. Like I have Verizon FiOS now. I would, I, if the Sunday ticket's thousand dollars, I'd pay it and I'd be, you know, happy as can be. But what Oran told me on that podcast was that the cable companies now don't even want Sunday ticket because it would cost so much money. And Red Zone is so successful for these cable companies and makes cable companies so much money that – and everyone in America watches the Red Zone channel – that Red Zone has basically taken away the desire of cable companies to have Sunday Ticket, which you as someone who's a host of Red Zone, I mean, that's got to make you feel good in a way.
5: Uh, There there are a lot of layers here. I I, I would – I would put it this way: I, I would look at it from the consumer side, and that this is kind of the way. And look, Shanks and David Hill and and James Crittenden, our initial producer, who's now one of our VPs at Directv, and still uh, back on occasion. Bill Wagner, our producer now, um, they 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 struck gold, and we found a way to super serve the fan and the fact that there's ESPN goal line and that, you know, NBC Sportsnet does something for EPL and there's MLB strike zone and all these, that it's kind of the way that the consumer now wants it. So however the providers need to get it to the fans and and the deals they strike with the league, that's above my pay grade, but it's what the fans now want. And it's what younger generations have grown up with. Right. Partly because I think the younger generation is more concerned with fantasy than they are of team success. I think that's a huge factor. No we doubt. came along. No doubt. We came along at the time when fantasy was blowing up, and we owe plenty of success, of our success to that. We came along at the time when everyone was getting a smartphone, when their attention spans plummeted. Right. Yep. And, and we, whether we caused that or we just got lucky with that, I think it's all kind of one and of the same. And that's now what fans want. I mean, you sit in your car, you have a, a, a satellite radio, um, it's not like you're 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 jumping back and forth between the classic rock station, the hip hop station, the pop station, and the NPR station, and then there's that one news station. You have five options where it was when we were younger. Now you got 300 options, and by the way, you know within two notes whether or not you like the song, and you go to the next one, and you probably don't <laughs> even need to do that because you're scrolling yeah. on the screen, and you go, I don't like that channel, that song, and you're just going to find something else. Yeah, and people don't have any patience for something that is boring anymore. Right. And that's why they want it like this. Well,
4: the interesting thing though about what you said about, you know, what the consumers want, I think the one issue we have today is every consumer wants something different. So it's like, how do you Because I'm old, I still want I want Sunday ticket on my television, whereas all my coworkers who here at SI, who are basically in their mid twenties, they think I'm a dinosaur because I have a television. They they're just you know stream, 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 stream. I don't want to stream the NFL. I want it sure. on my TV. So it's it's a, it's tough to even satisfy all the consumers from from that standpoint because of the way everything is these days with technology.
5: Well, actually, the the there's the overlap there is is the sweet spot, and that is people want it streamed on their TV. Yeah. Right. In other <laughs> words, uh, you know, the cord cutters, right. they still want to be able to get it on their big screen TV or on their phone or on their tablet. I mean, I get tweets, I get texts every weekend from uh, strangers or friends who are at their kids' soccer game on Sunday or at their kids' whatever game right. or at a church event or, you know, because they're watching on their phone. They want to be able to take it with them. Um, you know the Peyton Eli football on your phone commercial. What was it, seven or eight years ago at the time? I mean, it was catchy and we loved it, and they're great actors. Um, but that was really—I you know, think we did that commercial maybe two or three years after we offered streaming at Directv, and I could be wrong with that. Two Sunday ticket subscribers, um, standalone streaming is something different. But you know, subscribers can take it with them, and then—and then I think that was kind of like when our generation realized, oh. Hey, we can do that too whereas the younger generation was probably you know a hundred years ahead of us
4: right right um, before we wrap up couple of, couple of quick things here uh, and and again so nice of you to come on after uh you know me saying I'm not a red zone fan and uh, <laughs> I, I, I and the thing is I feel bad I feel bad at wrestling I feel worse now yeah I feel worse now because I feel like I could do this podcast with you for three hours there's so much to talk about with this and it, um, it's right up my alley I'll do it again um Two things before we go. Are you, I mean, you said, you you know, you mentioned Scott Hanson. Are you competitive with him in any way, shape, or form? I mean, look, Scott, is he here? Let me
5: look across the newsroom. He's not (laughs) here yet, but we work in the same newsroom every day. We've known each other. He's maybe three years older than me, but we've known each other since Syracuse. I think I was a freshman. He was a senior, something like that. So, no, I got a day-to-day basis. We're not. Do I, I, you know, want to put the best damn show out there every day? Absolutely. Bleeping lootly do i think we have a better show of course but i've never seen theirs because i don't i can't see it i get direct tv at home right um so you know it's not like like i'm gonna come in and go to the tape room here if we even have a tape room and say can i get a cut up of what they did on sunday i want to go home and compete right uh no but I, i think all of us certainly at direct tv and i have no doubt that all of Scott and his crew here, uh, yes, there's a little competition, certainly, but it, it, it's not as if anyone is flipping back and forth. Like with the pregame shows, CBS, Fox, right. Game Day Morning, you can flip back and forth. With us, you had to have made your decision in the off season, Right. Right? Like, what's your provider? And a lot of times, it's not your individual decision. It's a household decision. Yeah. What does your significant other need to do? What about your internet? What do your kids want? Um, Are you moving? Does that factor? And so, uh, yes, we are absolutely competitive as to whether or not anyone can truly look at the scoreboard on a week-to-week basis. No, you
4: can't. Right. Um, And then also, I know you do the Rams preseason games. Is doing play-by-play an ultimate goal for you? Is that uh, a dream job or... You know what you're doing now with red zone and you do obviously nfl total access and, and a lot of stuff on the network is, is is that the end game or is play-by-play something that um, you want to do more of I,
5: I would love a perfect mix i know you mentioned wikipedia i believe somebody wrote on my wikipedia page that, that is my dream job uh i would love to do as many things as humanly possible at once um so like I said before, yeah, I would love to call games. I love calling 12 games at once. Um, I've been fortunate. I've I've done the Rams now, let me think, uh, nine years in the preseason. Wow. I did them in St. Louis for how many ever there? Um, and I'm very grateful to NFL Network for giving me the Senior Bowl and the East West Shrine game, right. uh, the Black Blackhawks Football Hall of Fame game. Um, I did like four or five AAF games. So I'm very grateful for those opportunities. I would love to do as much play-by-play as I can. Um, I really haven't tried to get Saturday stuff for college football because it's just I got to be up and out by 6 a.m. on Sunday morning here. Right. It's hard. Um, I I marvel at guys like Dave Pash, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, who does that every week? Who does ESPN games on Saturday in the middle of nowhere, and then somehow wherever the Cardinals are <laughs> Sunday morning, right. uh, I marvel at someone like that. Um, one day, maybe I would do a mix like that, but uh, I love what I'm doing now. Yeah.
4: Right, well, I I really do appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I got to get you on again because we didn't even get into your dislike of wrestling, and um, <laughs> I know you're... I have
5: nothing against wrestling. It's just not my cup of tea. Exactly. It's and yeah. I I just I mean, I loved it when I was eight. I'm not eight anymore. Right. That, that's just the way I look at it. I, I just can't stand when people go so overboard. I'm like, it, it's if I'm going to watch a scripted drama, I'm going to watch Succession. That's my favorite primetime right. scripted drama. And so, I, and I, I, and when you say that to people, they get so bleeping offended. I don't get offended. I'm like, I, how are you offended by that? It's a scripted drama. Uh, this and the, people to lose their mind.
4: The biggest takeaway from this podcast that everyone listening needs to understand is that people need to be more like Andrew and myself. If someone doesn't like something that you like, it's okay. You can move on with your life. You don't have to be offended. Exactly. Or upset. Yeah. And again exactly. I and my issue too listen, I, I just what I want to make extra clear to not to you because I know you get it, to the people listening. I'm not saying red zone is a bad product. I'm not saying you can't dispute it. Listen, it's not undeniable, but for me, I, it wasn't for me that, and it's, that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. And the fact that you would come on after me saying that, um, well, I think shows what a good guy. I'll you I'll leave you with a, with
5: a, with a 15 second quick story yeah. about how it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I highly doubt Emmett Smith will remember this, <laughs> but many, many years ago, Emmett Smith was sitting on the set with us on total access here at the network. We go to a commercial and he looks to me and he goes, my wife hates you. Oh my god! I'm like, excuse me. It's <laughs> like what? And he goes, "Yeah, I'll walk. She'll walk in. I'm watching this, and she's just like stop it! I can't watch this.' Oh my like, god! I-, I-, I can't focus on this because, and I've heard this before, because we move so quickly that you right. just can't focus sometimes. Right. And for plenty of people, that's not their cup of tea. Yeah, and but there's no need to hate I mean, you personally. I wasn't offended. I laughed. My, you know
4: what? off yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, again, don't, but don't hate on Andrew personally. I mean, that's the the bottom line. The product is not for you. That's what you need to say. Not I hate you. A fine line there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, it was
5: all in good fun, by the way. It wasn't yeah. anything like, uh, oh, like 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 actual physical.
4: <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, keep that energy up every Sunday.
5: Hey, Jimmy, mm-hmm. anytime. Let's do it again.
4: Okay. Thanks, to Andrew. Appreciate it.
5: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: All right, my thanks to Andrew, who was bashing wrestling. Perfect transition now into. Renee Young from WWE and FS1, who's here to talk about her new wrestling show and a lot of WWE matters. Here's Renee. All right, joining me now, this is always one of these weird things, because I feel like I know this person because of Twitter, but we've never met. This is her first time on the SI Media podcast. She is from the WWE and now Fox Sports. Renee Young. Renee, how are you?
6: Hi, I'm great. How are you?
4: I'm well, it's, it's so weird for me because we've exchanged many, many tweets, and now we're actually chatting like people.
6: It is people. weird when that happens. It's it's odd, and then you like meet someone in real life. You're like, wow, we like we've exchanged many uh, conversations back and forth through the internet, uh, and then uh, in real life. Here we are so strange, Walls so the strange.
4: <laughs> I will say, yeah, exactly. I know we're, we're we're progressing. We'll meet in person one we day. We are.
6: doing
7: yeah. baby steps.
4: Yes. Um, before we even get to WWE Backstage on FS1 debuting November 5th at 11 p.m., one of the Twitter things we had is you got on me pretty good, and rightfully so, because I did a list of um, Queen's best songs, and I omitted Don't Stop Me Now. And you called me out, and yeah. I felt the wrath of all your followers, and it was not one of my better Twitter days, that's for sure.
6: Well, listen, that's on mm-hmm. you. You had I agree. And, and, like, I had to step up for Queen fans everywhere, to not have Don't Stop Me Now on a top five list is absurd.
4: Well, it was you it was have it, to it,
6: have it
4: on there. It's way worse than that, because I think it was top ten. And here's the thing. This is the this is the one of the problems, one of the many problems with Twitter. Sometimes with Twitter, you just screw up. And I just screwed up that day.
6: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like yeah, you were right. Yeah.
7: And,
4: but I couldn't I couldn't stop the avalanche that was coming my way and I just wanted to like throw in the <laughs> towel or the white flag whatever the expression <laughs> is and be like yeah i'm like i got it i screwed up i was wrong it should have been on the list but like once that horse is out of the barn that's it the party's I know. over you
6: can't turn it back it's gone yeah. i mean it could have been worse i mean that was just at least like um you know a conversation somewhat in jest but you know a yeah. regular conversation but it's different when like you like legit put somebody on blast and then like, right you know your followers sick them and yeah yeah no, that's no. a whole other situation
4: and the funny thing is when I see someone who I like and respect put out a list on Twitter and I have a problem with it, I'm like the first one to pound. So I can't of course. say anything. Yeah. Um, hey, I love
6: Freddie Mercury and not perk my ears up.
4: I agree. I agree. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy your Instagram when you tweet, you're a huge music fan and I, I enjoy your Instagram posts with your vinyl uh, collection and you play your albums. It's a very cool deal. What, what, um, Is there anything new or, like, um, or even old? Um, What are you you listening to right now that you're into?
6: What am I listening to right now? So um, a guy that I'm obsessed with in the past, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe two months is Orville Peck. Um, I cannot get enough of this dude. He's, like, like Roy Orbison meets, like, Morrissey in, like, a real get-up like a giddy-up, get-up with a mask on. Um, mm-hmm. But his voice is just outstanding. Um, I, I think his whole story is that he was actually like a drummer in a punk band and then started this Orville Peck side piece. Um, and his voice is just incredible. His songs are really cool. Um, his uh, album's called Pony. It's really good. So I've been playing okay. a ton of that. Um what have I been listening to old? I Actually, so I just watched Echo in the Canyon, uh, that mm-hmm. that new uh, movie. It's out on Netflix right now. Um, so I was listening to, to some old stuff like that, like listening to some old, like Sgt. Peppers, uh, uh-huh. even getting into like Abbey Road, getting into some more um, uh, Beach yeah. Boys stuff. Uh, but that's, I literally just watched that uh, two nights ago. So, yeah, that's what I've got uh, spinning up on my uh, iTunes when I'm traveling.
4: Got you. All right. Well, since we since we're talking about music, I'll do one more music thing, and then we'll get all to all to the wrestling thing and WWE backstage <laughs> and all that. But I got to. So this I was doing a little. Down. Well, I was I was doing some research for this interview, and mm-hmm. I saw that you had an appearance in Kelly Clarkson's video for "Behind These Hazel Eyes," and personally, I did. I, I could do this whole podcast just on that. Because i'm a I'm a huge Kelly Clarkson fan, but how Who did isn't? how did how did that happen? and how cool was that for you?
6: Um, so that was um you know, prior to getting into this whole wrestling sports
4: casting world,
6: I was right. just a young girl um that was an actress that was auditioning for things. Um so that was actually the very first thing that I booked that was like a legit thing with like um, it was Joseph um, Kahn, the music director. He was like a, you know, pretty big music director. But I thought that it was just the coolest thing, Much Music, which is, uh, you know, our big music station in Canada. They came down to interview everybody and they interviewed me for it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was just like randomly auditioning. I was literally an extra in it. I played her bridesmaid, but this was a right. huge moment for me. Uh, but Absolutely. yeah, it was it was so, so cool. We,
4: you know, one of a- well, I think one of the misconceptions about Sports Illustrated here in the office is that like we just talk about sports all day and yeah. that couldn't be further from the truth. And just to give you an example, a huge fight. In this office broke out like a month ago because there was this huge debate about who's the more successful, popular American Idol uh, person, Kelly Clarkson or Carrie Underwood. And it was like more heated than like yeah. LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. So wh- where, that is where a heated
6: we... conversation. Who did you yeah.
4: say? I'm. I'm, I ride a die with Kelly. I don't, here's I think I ride or
6: die with Kelly too. Like, I mean, yeah. obviously, Carrie Underwood is so, like, she's Well, I could pick her out of a crowd. I know exactly who she is, but I don't right. know as many of her songs. I can belt say a thousand same. Kelly Clarkson songs. Same,
4: same, same, same. Yeah. Plus, like, she's I know she had that. Out there. Yeah. I know she has the song with, I don't know, the wheel and Jesus or whatever, but like, Since You've Been Gone is an all time iconic. All time. Yeah. All time. So. It's always Kelly.
6: I mean, I will say behind me, he's alive. What a great tune. She's got some sleepers out there too. That my December album. There's some good stuff on there.
4: (laughs) I'm with you. Not that I love
6: singing in my car by myself. Who doesn't?
4: Have you, the worst is when you get busted doing it, which is, you know, Oh my God. my nightmare. My
6: nightmare. nightmare. I actually try to sync up my car so that I'm not line in line with the window so that I can continue singing.
4: I, the, I got busted once Meatloaf's P- paradise by the dashboard lights which is like you have to perform that song you don't just sing it it was it was not a good situation for me so all right we've done so i could do this for like two hours but we'll talk about wrestling yeah, me too. And, well, well before you right. we, one more before we get through one of the things so i'm a wwe fan and i remember when you start when i first started seeing you on wwe tv and i was like she's really good she's really good and I didn't know for a little while while you were doing WWE that you had started or I don't know if started, but you had a pass with the score in Canada. And yeah. I know you you know all the um all the starters guy, Jay Skeets and Taz, who I've had yeah, on this podcast I love those and like Yeah, so um wh- so tell me how you went the transition from the sports to WWE or was it just you always wanted to do TV and you didn't care what it was?
6: Honestly, it really was about doing TV when I started. Um, so, you know, I mean, really just to not make it a three-hour podcast. Um, right. So, you know, when I was auditioning, doing music videos, doing random commercials here and there, um, I, was, I really wanted to find a way to, to, to get a good national TV gig, which is not an easy thing to come across in Canada. Um, so when I saw the score and saw the way that they were conducting their interviews. Like my main thing too like right out of high school I went to I went to Second City. Like I had these hoop dreams of doing more comedy related stuff.
7: Mm-hmm. Um
6: uh so so when I saw the way the score conducted their interviews which were far more like comedic interviews um, I mean, we had Jerry D who was like just a legit comedian. He was doing interviews there in the way that, you know, it wasn't broadcasting. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can try to like pitch a show there or find something to do. So anyways, once I finally got my foot in the door there, um, and I'd kind of dabbled around in a few different things. I played a ton of sports growing up. So me working in sports was never, um, all that far fetched, just a mm-hmm. bit of an easy fit. But when I'd been working there, I'd only been there for, I want to say, six months when my boss, uh, Greg Santoni at the time, he asked me if I wanted to do a post-show, a live show after Raw. Um, So, yeah, we started doing this show, which was called Right After Wrestling at the time. And then I got changed to Aftermath. But that was me sort of uh, dipping my toe back in the wrestling world. I mean, I watched it a bit when I was a kid. Um, and then once I started doing that show and then just got resubmerged. So, you know, and even at that time so I was doing the I was doing the aftermath show, but I was also doing like a daily sports show with the uh, with some of the basketball Jones guys, what they were at the time, then the starters and I think they're right. called no dunks now. But um, um yeah, I mean, we, we did daily shows where I was with this guy, Camp Stewart, and we would do a rundown of all the major sports headlines, throw stuff over the Basketball Jones suits They would give us our basketball update. So, yeah, we kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything. And then I also did, like, a sports comedy show like The Suit uh, called The Break. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I was kind of doing a little bit of everything. But anyways, once my contract there was up and I was uh, looking to make the move down to the U.S., uh, just joining WWE was a natural fit. It made the most sense. I went in and auditioned, and uh, here I am.
4: Here you are. It's so when you was, tell me about getting into the WWE in terms of did you have to try out a lot? Was it, were they, because of your work at the score, they wanted to bring you right in? Was it difficult to get that gig?
6: How
4: yeah, that so all they, were
6: familiar. they were familiar with me when I headed down because, uh, you know, we, we, when I was working at the school, we were working closely with WWE. Like I remember flying down to Stanford. And having, like, a meeting there about, you know, words we could say, how we talked about the product. Because before, it was just, like, willy-nilly. We could say whatever we wanted and have opinions about things.
7: Right, and, right. And
6: whatever. Where once uh, WWE was like, hey, like, why don't we, you know, maybe work together on this a little bit more and do it up. So we went down to Stamford and had a big meeting there. And I, mean, I did, at that point, I never thought in a million years that I would even join WWE. But then... Um, yeah, when the audition came up for me to go down there, it was between there and, and ESPN, and I ended up at WWE. Uh, but yeah, the audition process was interesting. It, I went down, hmm. and um, they, it was like a lot of like improv stuff. So I, there's, a, there's some kind of clip online somewhere that you can find of them handing me some kind of a battery pack, and they're like, sell this to me, and this <laughs> is animal. Blue trimmer or something ridiculous. Uh, but I had to do that. They put me, actually, I did do commentary for a little bit, which was even more of a disaster than me calling Monday night. we believe it or not. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> and then they had me doing more of like an after show kind of thing, which is for sure my, more my wheelhouse. So that was the, they made me wear a bunch of different hats the day that I was in there. It was really like a, an audition boot camp just to see what I could bring to the table. And then when I did sign the contract there, I had no idea what I was going to be doing. I assumed when I signed there that I would be doing something like the show I was doing for the score, which evidently is now what I'm doing uh, for FS1 with backstage. With um, but there's been a lot of different hats I've worn back on that right. journey to get to this this platform again. I mean, from doing backstage interviews, hosting network shows, um, doing uh, I never really did too many live event things, but to, you know, doing commentary for a year, doing kickoff shows. I've done so many different things within WWE, but I feel like I've just recently landed back in my sweet spot, which is very yeah.
4: Nice. You know, and I have to say, it's it, as someone who observes media sort of for a living and as a wrestling fan, it was I was fascinated um, by your honesty and the way you handled sort of the criticisms about you on Monday Night Raw. You just called it a disaster, right. um, and I know you're thrilled. <laughs> I know you're thrilled to be doing WWE backstage for FS1, uh, but I, I was—I'm curious about your approach and in, in the way you handled. Forget the actual job, because I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, you know that you've heard sort of the horror stories about that job with Vince screaming in your ear. And if you want to get into that, right. I would love to know that. But even <laughs> take take that away, take that out of it. Did you just never feel feel comfortable doing that job?
6: I never felt comfortable doing that job. Um, I always, it was a very stressful year to be completely honest. It's like you look at that situation of, you know, I'm here in WWE, uh, you know, kind of like the first female to come in in that role. Obviously, that role's grown exponentially since with so many other women that we have backstage doing shows and hosting shows, et cetera, et cetera. But at the time I kind of done everything. So I was like, what can I do? I need to do something else. I can't just stand here and do these backstage interviews anymore. Like I need something else to chew on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have Michael Cole and Triple H pull me aside one week more like, Hey, you're gonna um do commentary on Monday Night Raw next week. And I was like, What? what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Who approved this? <laughs> Whose idea was this? But it's like anything, you're like all right, damn, this opportunity is in front of me. I'm going to try and figure it out. I right. consider myself fairly talented at being able to talk. I know the ins and outs of the wrestling business. This should this should work. I'm sure I can make something work of this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to go out there and call three hours of of wrestling and coming from the background that I, that I come from of more, like, I'm a host, and I like being able to have more of a bubbly personality, and I think that that is what, Fans have been a little bit more drawn to, or they're drawn to my sarcastic side, that I can be a smartass. It's really hard to do that on commentary, um, right. especially when you know, you've know you got Graves, who's great at that, um, but also stepping in there as a third person. I'm used to being that A person. I didn't get to drive the ship. So to have Cool and Graves be in their rhythm, and then I'm trying to jump in there, and kind of everything's already been said, uh, it, it was just it was odd you know i tried to come at it from a fan standpoint um but then that doesn't always work because that doesn't always yeah. seem to be what necessarily they want you to be saying or doing
7: right. um so
6: i just i just always felt a little bit of misdirection about what my purpose was out there and then but on top of that trying to call my husband's matches uh when right. he was still with wwe so there was you know there was a lot of different weird factors and not to be making excuses about Did it, you, it just wasn't the right gig for me.
4: It wasn't right, for me, and right.
6: it's, you know, people that excel at that. It is a tough job, man, to be out there and talking in sound bites, and you've got to talk at specific points in a match, whether you're talking through somebody's comeback or you know, someone's heat. Blah blah blah. That for me to try to get in a bit of information just during somebody's entrance, where it felt like a normal spot for me to talk, and we've got promo segments and blah blah blah. But anyways, yeah, it, you, it was a doozy. It
4: was yeah. a yeah. Did you feel like you, um, I, I get you, you mentioned you wanted to do something different. So the fact that they come with, come to you with this opportunity seems like a good idea at the time, but did you also sure. feel any sort of, um, I don't use the word obligation cause I think that's a, it's a little hard of a word, but like you, you were the first woman who ever did. Commentary on Monday Night Raw was that a factor in all this for you to say yes or want the, or want to do that gig? Um.
6: Well, I mean, yeah, it was definitely a cool feather to put in my cap. But you know, having done, it, I mean, I'm not one to back away from something, and I really, truly wanted it to. I wanted it to be a thing to work. I wanted to excel at that. Not being good at something is a tough pill to swallow for me. You know, I wanted, I wanted to be able to make that spot work. Um, and you know, it just wasn't, it just wasn't really working. And I don't think right. it was what everybody wanted in that spot. So, so uh, now there are, yeah. some,
4: some people in this business are, are good at handling criticism. Some people are not, you seem like you are just based on the way you handled it. But I think even the people who are good at handling criticism have those moments where you're just like, Oh my God, I, you oh my know, God, like, I can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, Did you know, it...
6: once once that once that crack of insecurity starts to happen, it's like it's one thing to like shrug it off and be like, ah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. You're like crying through your laughter, <laughs> right? That like, right. you know, you it you can only take so much of that. And you know, it, it really went in like ebbs and flows. Where like, you know, when I the first time I stepped out there to do commentary, I actually felt like my very first show, I was so confident going out there that I was like, ah, yeah, whatever, what do I have to lose? I mean, I'm, I'm going to do it once. Maybe it was going to be a permanent gig for the year. Um, so I went out and just did it and felt pretty good about it and I think at that point when everyone's like oh my god finally we've got a woman out here doing it everyone's rooting for you and it's great but then you know a couple weeks go by and the fans all of a sudden want to be like we don't like this, we don't like the sound of something new we don't like the sound of a woman's voice we don't you know, we different opinions here and there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to keep some of those insecurities in check sometimes when yeah. uh, everyone just wants to be good, you know. Yeah. at any Whatever anyone's doing, they just want to be good at it. And when there's sort of that misstep or you're not so sure-footed about what you're doing, it's, uh, it's, it can be a slippery slope for sure.
4: So then, so now you're off. Monday Night Raw commentary, and you're hosting WWE Backstage, which will debut on FS1 November 5th at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, How did this gig come about? Was it, I mean, were you, was it sort of like everyone knew you had a, or you wanted to get off Raw and then this came about? Or was it you were going to do this, whether they wanted to keep you on Raw? how, How did you end up as the host of WWE Backstage on FS1?
6: lot of things were falling into place together I think as soon as the partnership with um, WWE and Fox came to fruition knowing and hearing these rumblings about this new show coming about I think um, I just think it was sort of a no-brainer that I was going to step in there to do that I just I I think I made the most sense to go in there to host it Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's kind of just as simple as that Um, and you know with doing commentary I was just always sort of waiting and to be like okay do we do this? Am I ready to go now? Can I be? Let me go, please, for the love of God. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once that, that time started to take down. And we always knew, too, that once the changes were going to happen with, uh, with Raw being strict to Raw, the SmackDown roster being strict to SmackDown, knowing that the big changes were going to happen, that seemed like, obviously, the transition of all the announcers are going to change. Uh, everyone's going to be brand specific. And, um, yeah, it, it was a perfect time of everything to kind of happen all at once.
4: So, uh, give give the listeners here a little taste of what WWE Backstage will be. I know there have been two episodes that have aired, even though you haven't officially, I guess, launched. Um, what do you want the show to be? What do you expect the show to be? What can viewers expect from WWE Backstage?
6: Uh, I think the biggest thing is being true to the voice of WWE fans. You know, being able to, to pull the curtain back a little bit and talk about the things that people are talking about online, the things that that fans have issues with, the things that that the fans love. We're going to be talking about all of those things, and we've been having different versions of different panels of who else is going to be on there. I couldn't be more happy to have uh, Booker T as my co-host on backstage. I've got such a great rapport with him. I mean, he's such an icon, two-time Hall of Famer. Um, He's the best. He's such a cool dude to be able to rely on. Um, just to get his perspective, I mean, we can hear Booker T's opinion on things all over the place, So to be able to put that on this platform as well. And then, yeah, bring in uh, different people just to hear other people's perspectives. We've tried so many different things as we get set for our final launch. And I think each show will have a bit of a different look and a different feel depending on who else is going to be on the panel, what segments we have. Uh, we've got you know we've got celebrities coming through and we've seen our promo school segment on the preview shows that you're talking about which is a ton of fun. I mean, to have these people come in such good sports and then have Booker T or Christian rip you a new one on live TV. <laughs> but it's, it's really fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's loose. Um, there's a, I think it's, I think it's the voice that uh, wrestling fans want to hear from all of right. us that are on TV that you've been waiting to hear us, be able to talk about wrestling from a little bit more of a critical eye.
4: So I think, so I, I talked to um, one of the Fox bigwigs who is one of the great guys in this in the sports media business and is a huge wrestling fan, Jacob Ullman, who I know you know well. Um, what a dude From Fox. Yeah. And I, we got into this uh, discussion because he had accused me of saying that I, – I guess I may have said on one of these podcasts that um, I didn't think that WWE backstage would be good if they didn't talk about quote-unquote real stuff, which I don't think – I think what I said was – you know, is the I need to know like is the show going to be playing to the script or is the show going to not play to the script? And I guess right, the answer is the latter on that, right? Like, will it's
6: definitely okay. the latter. I mean, okay. so I mean, I, like for us, our, the last thing we want is to have it feel like a shill show. You know, we're right. not on there just promoting different stuff coming up. I mean, of course, when there's you know different matches coming up and whatnot, we'll be talking about that stuff. But for us to be able to. To come, on I mean, this is just the first thing off the top of my head, but for us to talk about the end of Hell in a Cell, the way that that finish was, for us to, okay. to have those conversations about why that didn't work, uh, what's the next move for The Fiend, how do we make The Fiend work, is Seth Allen cool, is he not cool, um, is he, you know, whatever it was that Jr. said about his girlfriend or whatever, Okay, you know, we're going to so have you, those conversations.
4: You literally, that was... Literally, I was just about to ask that question. That was the one I was, I was going to say. Like, would you address Jim Ross? You know, making very snarky comments about Seth Rollins and saying he only wishes he could be over as his girlfriend. So, if the answer to that question right. is yes, then I think this show will be a rousing hit with wrestling fans because, you know, it's it's such a weird time I think for wrestling when that the backstage yeah. stuff is almost what people want more than the on the show stuff. It's so, you know, yeah, I it, I I wrote. Yeah, ahead, it's funny.
6: I think people like hearing um, their own opinions echoed through us. It's like people back home being like, "Yes, that's what I've been saying. That's what I'm thinking." So for us to be able to to take that platform and be a voice for them and have those conversations, and you know, based off who's on our panel, I mean, we have a lot of inside information amongst the group of us. So yeah, I think those information or those uh, those conversations will be interesting. All
4: right. Well, it's it. I, you've sold me on the show, so Jacob. <laughs> Can no, no, be happy it's now. Be good,
7: yeah. I, promise. I will
4: definitely tune in. Hi Jacob, I know you're listening, and I will tune in because uh, again, Hi, Jacob. <laughs> I wrote. I actually wrote a column about this uh, sometime over the last couple of weeks on SI.com, and I, 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 I feel for sort of the WWE, the creative team because I think it's so hard to get something now that people can really get into because of you know the internet, social media, everything's. Ex- it's it's impossible to keep something a secret. It's impossible to keep something. Fresh, everyone everyone wants to know the backstage part of what goes on on TV. And I think that's, yeah. I, I have sympathy. I think it's really hard to come up with, you it know. It is hard. The thing, yeah, yeah. It, I, I mean, mean I th- and
6: like that's, that's part of the, you know, one of the things, I mean, I don't know how that even really comes up. But I mean, when you're working for WWE, I mean, you're always hearing these rumblings in the hallway of, oh, something's going to happen, something's cool is going to happen. But that's like, it's it's so rare that those moments actually happen when you don't know who's going to come out or what the big surprise is going to be, and when it works, I mean, that's what makes wrestling so damn cool—is when right. when those moments really work. They're special when they do.
4: And I also think if you look at if you look at the things that really, really went huge over the last few years, Becky Lynch, um, Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. the Yes Movement—it mm-hmm. was stuff that really wasn't planned out. I mean, so and yeah, it's you know, organic. Yeah, so I I feel for like the creative team. I mean, and I know it all goes through Vince and you know, they you know, Bruce Prichard now is in charge of Smackdown and Paul Heyman's in charge of Raw and they're doing things, but um I, I think it's a really hard time for, you know, creative to really do something Yeah, that's and just... you
6: know it's, it's, I yeah, mean I feel for the creative team as well. I mean, it's a tough gig, especially when you feel like your show is being dictated somewhat by uh, what people are saying online how much right. of that do you take into consideration versus just trying to be like a professional television writer you know
7: right like you right. think
6: like other shows have to go online and like rewrite their creative based on what people are saying or not saying or like going against what feels like the popular things It might not be like where the plan was headed for certain things like it is a tough dig man yeah i do not envy that spot
4: and so WWE Backstage debuts November 5th, 11 p.m. FS1. And the good thing about FS1, I I would assume they're going to replay it at all different other times, too, so people can catch it. It's going um, be
6: on all the time. It's always yeah. going to be on. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure when the replays are of it, but yeah, Tuesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, we will be up, we will be live, and we will be making things happen. I'm i have so excited. Uh, it's, it's, it's really fun. I'm, I've been so happy with everything. I feel like i just getting the show together. I feel like I've got like a it's like Stella got her
4: groove back. You could. It's really like you're let out of the cage now, and you're in yeah. your element, and that's that's an awesome, awesome thing. And I think that'll everyone yeah. will see that on this show. What what is? I had Triple H on on my podcast. I don't know, maybe a month ago, um, and we got into this show a little bit because I had asked him about CM Punk. There were there were rumors. Well, I guess there weren't rumors. I mean, I guess it was a fact that he had tried out. And I asked Triple H, um, you know, how that works out because obviously there have been issues with CM Punk and WWE and he said, you know, never say never, which is always a wrestling thing. Um, (laughs) but I'm just curious with the, with the show is, is this show more of an FS1 show? Is it more of a WWE show? Is it 50-50? Who, who, who are your bosses on it? Who's running the show here?
6: Um, that's, I think that's sort of a little bit more of a Jacob question to be honest. But I mean, this is an FS1 show. We are, um. You know, otherwise, it's like I would say just doing a kickoff panel for WWE. You know, I think that that's yeah. exactly the thing that we're trying not to do. I think we want to step away from feeling like we're just promoting, promoting, promoting. It's like, no, we're having time to have conversations. and We are, um, yeah, putting on that critical lens. So this this is an FS1 show. Obviously, we work with WWE. I still am a WWE employee. Um, but it's, you know, it's falling between the cracks on both of those.
4: Yeah, I think the fact that um, that just even FS1 could audition CM Punk shows you it's it's you know FS1 exactly has a big, big say exactly. In, in I mean that
6: speaks you, volumes as to as to what their look what they want their product to look like.
4: Would you like to work with him? Did you guys get along when he was in the company?
6: Yeah, I would love to work with Punk. Um, I, he's he's one of the most polarizing, most popular figures in all of wwe history and i think for him to step back uh into that world i mean it just makes wrestling fans go bonkers over that so i right. i think that it would be really cool i would love to have that opportunity
4: and uh i'm sure fs1 would too as well in terms of you know ratings and getting buzz yeah um, of course few would do it more than him um i have to ask you know i don't i don't want to like go crazy and dip into your personal life but you are married ah, here too. it comes Come you on, are married i, I just ha- i just have to know what it's like when your husband <laughs> works for the competition what is that how weird is it is it not weird
6: it's not weird
7: it's
4: okay. not
6: weird at all um i mean it, listen it, it, as soon as we're both home and uh you know we have like a, a glass of wine he pours his jack and diet coke and we just start talking about wrestling so, I'm talking about what my day's like. He's talking about what his day's like, and it's again like we said, you know, earlier. It's such an interesting time uh, for all of wrestling. So I'm sure yeah. a lot of people would love to be flies on the wall of <laughs> our room.
4: <laughs> I, I was going to say, I <laughs> some would some think you'd almost
6: conversations that happen. That's for sure.
4: I would think you'd almost not want to talk about wrestling because you know you're in it all day. But I guess if you work for different companies, there's. Good yeah, I mean, listen. You're to married discuss. to
6: John Moxley. That man likes to talk about wrestling, so yeah, it happens. We, we well, definitely do talk about it. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we go. We have to. I'm, sometimes I need to cleanse my palate. I'm like, can we just yeah. put on This Is Us and not talk about wrestling <laughs> for a minute? That would be great. <laughs> are,
4: are, are you telling me in this audience that John Moxley watches This Is Us?
6: He's a big. Uh, this is us fan, yes.
4: That now that there, there's, I think there's the there's the nugget we need from this podcast right there. Who would have thunk it?
6: Listen, he is a layered man. He has many layers, yep. much behind those crazy eyes. Is
4: he a Kelly Clarkson fan as well? That's that's um, the case.
6: Probably <laughs> not as much. You okay. Probably not the words just through like property, yeah. but no, I I wouldn't put him down as a fan. <laughs>
4: well, one of the things I always I always discuss with WWE people when they come on this podcast. Um, you know, I've had Roman on, I'd have i I'd have I have I've had Seth Rollins on over the last few months is you know, one of the things I don't think the fans fully grasp and understand is the schedule that the WWE superstars um, undertake on a week to week basis. It's it's just crazy. Yeah. Um the road life, tr- you know, driving after Monday Night Raws to other cities and stuff. So, uh, it, it's cr- is it that way for the announcers too in the broadcast? I would imagine it is. I mean, it, it just gets um, a it, little it has
6: been, yeah, it has been uh, kind of up until recently. So, I mean, you know, when I was just doing commentary on Raw and then I was still doing pay-per-view, so I would drive between you know a pay-per-view on a Sunday. I would drive to the next town for Monday. Uh, do that, get an production meeting, and uh, you're in the arena all day long, and then fly back home after that. So I mean, it's definitely not as bad for the announcers as it is for the wrestlers, because mm-hmm. we're not out doing live events five days a week or whatever. But right. um, yeah, I mean, we're we're still out there making town, getting those early morning flights, making long haul drives, and uh, yeah, it it can be grueling. My schedule right now is just funny of like doing a doing the show on Tuesdays at Fox in L.A. and then having to catch a flight to go to Smokestown, wherever that may be. So you have to get pulled in a lot of different directions. It's constantly just like hoping that my phone has the information that I need of where I need to be.
4: And then do you even, I mean, do you get a decent amount of time with your husband only because like, like if you're doing this show on Tuesdays, he has his wrestling on Wednesdays. I mean,
6: yeah, it's it's a little it's interesting right now as you start to figure that out. I mean, I feel like the past couple of weeks have been really easy because I have not been at SmackDown uh, as much. So we'll see we'll see how that kind of plays out. But um, yeah, I, I mean, otherwise, yeah, we are home together on the weekends. And you know, he's pretty busy right now. He's still doing some dates in Japan and he's working on a movie right now. So um, yeah, I mean, what, you know, we we figure it out if if i got to fly somewhere to go see him because he's somewhere he's got to fly somewhere to come see me uh, right. we just do that
4: yeah the the, it's the life the life of wrestling people is just the travel life is really just um, <laughs> i know yeah you know, i've i've gotten to know a couple of wrestlers personally just from doing this and i the stories i hear about like the road and traveling it's it's really yeah it's pretty it's grueling else. it can be a grind
6: yeah. for sure yeah so, got to have a, a good eye mask
4: yeah feeling, um hopefully the best so, wW back wW backstage. the debut is November fifth on FS one do we do you have anything to tease in that first episode? Do we know yet? I mean, it's what next week, So um, yeah, next week. What, do, next is there anything week, um, we can preview?
6: I just know that we've got some big things happening uh, stuff that <laughs> I cannot give a nod to. Yes, I do have to talk and sort of uh, very elusively. Well, um, yeah, we've got some huge stuff coming up. We are so excited to just get the show off the ground, start doing it weekly, get in our rhythm, get the show out there, and you know we're listening to fans' feedback as well. We're seeing how people are reacting to things, what people like, what people don't like. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna have some stuff on. Um, have you? So I think you know I've had so many conversations. People are like, man, we miss talking smack. We miss talking smack. So I think I hope that this will. That show, some
4: justice. Talking Smack was good. I enjoyed that. I have to say, it was say good. It. I love that show. Daniel Bryan getting in that confrontation with The Miz was, was good. So, and you oh did my that God. show. The, you did a great interview show for the one uh, I'm going to knock WWE here, but I'm doing it, not Renee. I feel like they have so many good shows on the network, like interview shows, that are too short. Like they like do that table for three, way too short. Yeah. And then I remember you did an interview show. I remember there was one I yeah, watched I did you interview. Un- yeah, with, I remember there was an episode with Dolph Ziggler, who I, I like a lot, and um, you guys were in a restaurant eating, and it, but like it was like yeah. 10, 13 minutes. It's like, WWE, can you let these things... I mean, we're streaming it. Let it go for 30, 40 minutes.
6: Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's kind of a cool thing, too, is I, think, I hope that that's where content is headed back too is i feel like kind of when i was doing that show is like oh everything needs to be sort of of shorter content that's all people want to
7: consume but i hope that people
6: are starting to go back the other way where people want more long-form content i prefer working like that as well so i I hope that we can get back to that I, i prefer it
4: yeah well i'm looking forward to backstage on fs1 on november 5th and um thank you i'm glad we got to like chat now hopefully we'll meet and uh
6: yeah, our friendship is blossoming. We're it's, really doing it. It's this.
4: developing, yeah. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, good luck with the show. Thank you very much. All right, take care, Renee. All right, my thanks to Andrew Siciliano and Renee Young. Really enjoyed talking to both of them. Uh, fun conversations with both, like them both a lot, and I'm glad they uh, came on. Check them out on their various gids, gigs, Rugged Zone and WWE Backstage. Uh, remember, subscribe, rate, review. Very important, helps me a lot. Appreciate it. And my voice is going, so I'm going to wrap up, and I'll see you next week on the SI Media Podcast. Take care.